Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I'm Peter and I'm going to be talking about Big Little Lies Season 1 Episode 5, it's called One's Bitten, so full spoilers for the episode as always. And I'll warn you right now, my cats are all in a, a chase each other around the room mood, so bear with me, uh, <laughs> bear with me. Uh, so this episode, I mean, I feel like I'm saying this every time, but you know, it keeps escalating, it keeps escalating, uh, and as per usual, I'll, I'll tackle kind of each of the main characters uh, individually as much as I can. Obviously, there's some overlap here or there when their their plots interject, but uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, let's talk about Celeste. Let's talk about Celeste and Perry, uh, probably the the most hard-hitting of, uh, no pun intended, uh, of, the, of the stories so far, and there's several scenes early on in this episode because they've built up who Perry is so well at this point that you kind of feel the the the, the my cats are chasing each other. I'm being very distracted here. Uh, you kind of feel the underlying menace of everything he does. You know, he comes home from from his tennis game that he was supposed to have, and he's like, "Oh, I thought I'd cancel it." And he's like, "Where's the boys?" And she's like, "Oh, they're at this thing." But you knew they were a thing, and they have this this. For them, mildly violent uh, sex scene. I say mild because it's more consensual than some of the other ones. And we have, you know, scenes where, again, he's kind of a good father. He's he's he's, he's playing around with the boys at dinner. Um, You know, it is what it is. But uh, we have this really harsh scene in the middle of the episode where uh, Celeste is just folding laundry and Perry's leaving for work and he gets kind of snappy at her because all the boys... The toys are all kind of like scattered over the floor, and he says something like, "Oh, I thought I said I didn't want to, you know, live in a pigsty, clean this shit up or something like that." And Celeste, you know, rightly being uh, uh, taken aback by his abrasiveness, says, "If you really want it done, you can do it yourself." Uh, so he stares at her for like a good like ten seconds, like a good long, uncomfortable amount of time, and then go grabs a box and starts picking them up. And as he's doing it, she she starts to apologize and says, I'm sorry, sorry, I'll do it later. Just go, just go to work. You have to get to work. Let me, I'll do it. Uh, and she gets very apologetic. And I think it's not so much that she's actually sorry, of course. It's more that she's scared of what this is leading to, uh, of, of, of what she's ignited in him. Uh, because this is the, the tightrope she's walking on at all times with, with Perry. And it's not until later we see kind of the, the actual climax of the scene, we see snippets of it later. Uh, we just kind of cut away before it gets to the the, the, the serious stuff. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, we see her go to another therapy session. You know, there's probably, the, again, one of the highlights of the episode is, is Celeste in therapy. And, but before she goes in, she she applies a lot of makeup uh, to cover up some bruises. Like, she, she is layering it on thick to cover up, like, just, you know, marks on her neck, marks on her face... Uh, really, really, really bad. And she goes in, and she's like, "Oh, so therapist is like, why are you here?" It's like, "Oh, because same reason, you know, we've got this, this, this anger in our sex life, and you know, blah, blah, blah." And every single time the therapist like asks a question, you know, does he does he hurt you? Would you consider it violent? Would you say that you're scared of him? Would you, say, you know, she asks all these questions, and, and you know, whatever order she asks them in, and every single time Celeste kind of sidesteps it. Uh, by saying, I don't follow, you know, well, our relationship is complicated, or, you know, she'll, she'll offer some sort of platitude that doesn't actually answer the question. Every single time she's sidestepping, pro probably is what's telling the therapist more than anything else she's doing in the scene, you know, that in her body language. Uh, 
Celeste finally says something that that we've been you know I've been saying since episode one. She's kind of in denial about is that she's a victim. She says I'm not a victim here. I'm not. I hit him. I hit him. And the therapist is like, yeah, in self defense. You know why is he not here? Uh, what you know where is he? Uh, and Celeste like, almost leaves at one point by you know by saying, you know you're demonizing him and this feels unethical. But the therapist gets very honest and says, no, like I, I when I find a when I think a patient is in danger. Uh, you know, the ethical shackles kind of, you know, get thrown off. And Celeste is like, danger. You know, and I think that's when she says, I'm not a victim, I'm not a victim. And again, the performance here is fantastic. There's so much, like, like, I feel like bad filmmaking, sometimes you can tell what a bad editor's like because they don't know when to have, like, when to take away silence and you'll feel like there's all these weird, like, awkward moments between dialogue. But awkward silence can be really effective if you know what you're doing with it and this scene uh, and many of the scenes in the therapist's office have felt this way where the pause and the hesitation between the questions uh, where Celeste contemplates what the therapist has just said where the therapist is listening to what Celeste is saying and trying to be considerate and not just blurt out things but trying to like direct her to admit something trying to direct her to admit that she's in a in a serious uh a seriously toxic relationship uh and you know you know if like, the therapist says you know he'll hit you again and she's like yeah he will and i'll hit him again and she she keeps trying to make it more of an even thing she keeps trying to make it as if it's not all him and you know the therapist is seeing right through it you know and she asks questions like you know do you have weapons in the house and she eventually says you know talking about her son and she says well do your boys you know, think about how this is affecting your children and she's like no no they never see anything they, they, they don't know what's going on we make sure they never see a thing and she flat out says no like if they don't already pick up on it they will eventually like this will be something that affects their lives in time and there's actually a really 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 neat setup for this in one of the other plots earlier in the episode as uh, a scene earlier on when, when celeste and perry first have sex uh you know when he comes home from the tennis game uh, uh madeline texts her and about you know about something and she texts back saying oh I'll, I'll i'll call you later uh you know you're implying she's busy and madeline's oh having you know hot sex or whatever and she's like yeah on the kitchen counter and madeline you know gets kind of like wait what bullshit and then you know there's a really funny joke here where, where ed walks in and she's kind of looking at him like Hey, hey, can we be as exciting as Celeste? Can we can we do it in the kitchen counter? You know, just with the eyes. And then he says, Don't go in that bathroom, honey. Jesus. It just kind of ruins the mood. Uh but when we cut back, we do actually see that they they, they, they she's like, Yeah, let's let's do it in the counter, let's do it in the counter. And you know, they're they're trying to like have sex and they're you know, they're just getting the pants off and in comes Chloe. And Chloe's been out with her friends, she's coming in and they quickly like, you know, buckle back up and Chloe's like you know wanting food and you know and Chloe's funny as always you know because Ed's like how about you know you wait 15 minutes and I'll make you a BLT and she's like uh, deal my man uh, again Chloe uh, wonderfully with words uh, it's great stuff but um, as she's leaving and this is the thing that set, you know that kind of neatly ties into like the Celeste scene is that she says that and you guys can go back to doing whatever you're hiding and don't want me to see like she doesn't necessarily know you know that they were trying to have sex but she could tell they were hiding something uh again this idea that the, the kids pick up on things that they're, they're smarter and more aware than we maybe give them credit for and that she i mean this was a fairly innocent one like okay she's going to have to accept someday that her parents have sex right <laughs> you know no, no harm no fill but um the idea being that equally 
Celeste and Perry's kids are going to notice things. They're going to notice little things. They're going to uh, start being aware of certain things if they're not already. Uh, and so it really sets that up sort of thematically throughout the episode. And even, even Ziggy, uh, throughout the entire season, has been very aware that his mother hates things about his father. Uh, he's not quite buying the lie that she's she's selling. And, you know, it's very effective storytelling in that sense, I think. And, you know, Celeste, again, tries to leave the, the therapist's office and she's like, we need to make another appointment, our time's up, uh, but we have to, you know, make an appointment and then come up with a plan. And she's like, a plan for what? Uh, for what to do next time he hits you. Um, you know, she, she's full on treating this like, you know, this is a, a, a recurring domestic abuse that needs to be dealt with. And, it, you know, it, it really hammers this, this moment home where it's like, like, because there's a few times in this scene, you know, where Nicole, Nicole Kidman, um, she does these wonderful pauses or she'll she'll start crying instead of responding and it kind of tells you the real answer, even if she's not willing to say it out loud. Um, and, you know, the episode, you know, the last thing we see of her is she actually takes the boys to go pick up uh, Perry at the airport. It's like a nice surprise for him. It's like she's doing something nice to keep the peace. But you can't help but feel like, again, this is this is an attempt to keep things happy. I, th I think the even the idea that she's including the boys in it, that she's including the children, is like, she's clinging to the one thing that seems like he's good at, is that he's a good father, and this is why she doesn't want to just leave him. Uh, and, and she says as such in the, in the therapist's office, you know, the idea of including them, almost as like a safety buffer as well, if not like just a, a, a band-aid for the, for the relationship itself, uh, really really sort of uh interested i'm sorry garris shut up <laughs> cast distracted me he's chasing he's running around mad for some reason like for some whenever i like record on my own for some reason that's the time the cats decide to be the most uh menacing and troubling so no so really well done our plot again as as per usual uh and her trying to cover this up but at the same time you're, you're thinking in the back of your head like is this patching things up because it's just her continuously in denial, or is this her trying to keep the peace while she's actually on board with forming a plan with with a therapist? You know, is this this like okay, I'm going to try and make things as pleasant as possible while we while we deal with this? You know, while while the plan is formulating. So I, I think uh, that's on my mind as as these final scenes play out. Damn cats. So, moving over to, to Madeline's uh, plot, uh, so, again, she's trying to have more of a spicy love life with Ed, um, and it almost still happens, but then she notices that uh, Abby on her Facebook is, uh, you know, going to wear something slutty, or something's going to happen that's considered slutty, and she gets really uh, frantic, she calls calls Nathan, who hangs up on her, uh, which is a funny scene, because, you know, uh, uh oh god bonnie she, she is like oh she's gonna kill you uh you know funny funny moment but the big thing with uh with madeline this episode is she's in a coffee shop with with celeste and jane and in walks uh what's his face uh, joseph and he wants to speak to her and it's kind of awkward because celeste kind of knows that there's been a thing she doesn't know all the details seemingly but she knows there's something's went on and he insists that she come with him, and she's like, "I'm not going to do this here." So she goes in his car, and they, they ride they ride somewhere, you know, around you know nearby, but they, they ride somewhere. And he's like, "Oh, you have feelings for me, blah blah blah." And she's like, "No, no, 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 look at my family. This cannot happen. You know, get over this. It's not happening." Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm really dumbing it down here because the big thing here is not so much the conversation, but it's that on the way back, um, a car hits them. I was not expecting a jump scare. <laughs> 
if you want to call it that, in Big Little Lies, but that's kind of how it plays. And, you know, they're in the hospital, and of course this leads to a lot of awkward things, where Ed, you know, later on uh, at home, he's asking, you know, why were you in the car with him? And she's, he's, you know, she's like, oh, we were talking about the play, and, you know, this actor can do a strep throat. And it, she does that thing where it's kind of, like, clear she's lying because she explains it too much. Like, there's too much to the story. Uh, she she layers it on far too thick. Not unlike Celeste with her makeup to cover the bruises. Like, it's just laying it on far too thick. And she... But even before that, when they're in the hospital, there's a lot of glances. A lot of moments with Ed uh, glancing on kind of uncomfortable. You know, he's worried at first, but then it's like, okay, there's, there's just small moments. And then again with Joseph's uh, wife, uh, who also, like, has all these, these moments. Um... Although, I was funny though, because I was thinking back to the joke from a couple of episodes ago where Madeline said she'd be willing to get cancer to make Abby care about her again, and Abby does show up to the hospital concerned about her mother, and they have this kind of touching moment, and I couldn't help but thinking that, you know, she was right, it, it would it would work. <laughs> it's kind of worked already. She's in a car crash, and it's it's working well. Uh, so, you know, that was there. And even Nathan gives like a little wave from a distance, is what it is. Um... But yeah, and she goes back to see Joseph uh, later, and is a bit more honest, and admits that she does kind of have feelings, but she doesn't want to lose her family, uh, and Joseph's a bit more understanding, and says, you you're pro- you should probably drop out of the play now, uh, most of the work's done, blah blah blah, but again, his wife comes in, and you know, it, it feels a little bit awkward. Uh, what's notable, though, is that when she walks away, and then kind of breaks into a run down the corridor, uh, the music that plays is actually the same track that was playing earlier for a scene with Jane, uh, which, you know, Madeline like has like one sort of emotional moment in the car, but other than that, you know, we jump back to Jane because, uh, although actually one thing about Madeline uh, is that she has a, a nightmare at the start of the episode where Renata uses one of the puppets from her from her puppet show to like scare her off of a cliff, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. So <laughs> I was not expecting that opening scene. Uh, but Jane, as always, is running around and she gets a call and finds out that Ziggy, or not Ziggy's in trouble, but the, the, the school are just like, we've got a problem. She doesn't really know what it is yet. And we actually do have an idea what it is because we already have a scene before this with Renata where she finds a bite mark on Amabelle and she gets very upset, as, as does Gordon, and they have a bit of a fight. And, you know, she's ready to, like, you know, crucify Ziggy over this and he's, he's been a bit more level-headed. You know, God, bless Gordon. He's, he, Gordon's a very level-headed individual. Uh, it's not even so much that he's that likable, but he feels like the most level-headed guy in the show in, in many ways. But... Uh, you know, she's, you know, like, ah, oh, we should do this, we should do that, we should sue the school, we should, you know, crucify Ziggy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, you know, so Jane gets this call where she's out for a run, and she just kind of, like, streams and throws the phone over the over the edge into the beach. And she goes down and picks it up, you know, realising, like, ah, <laughs> I kind of want my phone still. Uh, but she, you know, she 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 then runs very intensely along the beach and onto, the, onto one of the boardwalks. And... It's a really great scene because, like, they're not literally there, but uh, Celeste and Madeline start running alongside her. You know, Celeste runs up first, and then Madeline's revealed to be another side, and they're running in unison. And it's kind of this idea that, like, by being here, she is building this friendship with these other two people who are going to be with her in her struggles. Like, she's she's starting to feel less alone. It's a, it's a really simple, you know, piece of symbolism, but it really it's effective. You know, it's just a powerful image uh, that being seen by side. Um, so, no, I, I thought that was really well done. Um, and the music that's playing here is the music that plays later when Madeline kind of starts running. And, again, even though that we're not symbolically showing, like, Celeste and Jane with her running, 
Um, the fact that it's using the same music is again harkening back that she she does have people to go to. She's not completely alone, uh, even though she might think she is. Uh, maybe it's hinting that she needs to realize that herself. Uh, but yeah, so so Jane, you know, we see her at the shooting range, uh, you know, practicing with a gun, and then she's talking to Madeline about owning a gun, and you know, Madeline's like, I've never owned a gun. I don't, you know, they make me feel uncomfortable. And Jane starts talking about how she feels like you know just holding a gun like it's, it's been said that holding a gun just like can do a lot for you psychologically uh it can you know it's, it blocks mental trauma and like, emotions and it makes you feel powerful and, and Madeline's like is that a good thing <laughs> it's just like yeah if the emotions are bad enough yeah if the memories are bad enough uh, i feel better with one and she you know she, she's kind of clutching to it and they've made this plan to all go up and confront this this attacker who at least the the the, the interior designer they think is the attacker uh and she's still not necessarily 100 percent. and even even i met talking about kids noticing things like ziggy sees it sees his photo at one point and asks who it is and she just kind of you know gives him a oh he's an interior designer we might you know get some new furniture or something um it, but you know it doesn't actually tell him of course um but it's actually interesting because madeline tells this to ed and ed's like Wait, no. <laughs> You're not going up there, like three. Yeah, like this. I mean, if this guy does turn out to be the attacker, like he's dangerous. Like this is a bad idea. Call the police. And he's being sensible, of course. Uh, I, I th- but they ultimately, I think the the uh come to a compromise where she agrees to let him come of course this never really happens because jane ultimately decides to go on her own uh jane does have a meeting at the school with the principal which does involve renata uh who is very tempered but gordon's a bit more level-headed uh, and then the ultimate uh thing that's, that's, that's decided there is that there's going to be a, like a special tutor whose main job is to keep an eye on ziggy and amabel to sort of keep an eye on what's happening uh, so that's happening at the school. Uh, simple enough solution, even though obviously Jane doesn't feel great about it. She's upset that this has to happen at all. Um, still very much on edge, uh, as my cat Garris is making all sorts of weird noises. He's, he's, in, he's in a bit of a mood. He's in a bit of a mood. Uh, calm down, Garris. Um, <laughs> you can see him walking past there. Uh, so she actually decides to go herself. Uh, she gets in her car, she listens to music, and she she blasts off to go and see this guy. And the guy comes out to see her, and you know he doesn't recognize her. He he just leads her into his office and starts talking. And we don't even hear him after very quickly. The sound of his voice drowns out, and we don't hear it. And and we just uh, it, we're just in her head as she's like staring at the the various photos on the wall, and she's got her hand in her purse. She's ready to pull out the gun. And she she eventually you know decides not to she 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 has kind of a, 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 a I mean I don't know what you could call it a panic attack but you know she definitely like is overcome with emotion and she just says oh I'll have to make another appointment or something like that and she runs out and again has an emotional moment in the car uh, much like Madeline there's there's usually quite some good like thematic ties between the plots uh, and the episodes I mean I'm sure I've mentioned that before but. Uh, again, just some examples of like thematically things kind of linking together, um, and again, the theme of the show is definitely hiding, hiding pain, and hiding, hiding your truth and what's actually kind of you know eating at you, uh, and this continues. It's, it's, it continues throughout this, and uh, to an extent, is other people not necessarily understanding uh, the pain uh, in in various different ways, like. You know, like all, all of the husbands, uh, or in Jane's case, the lack of one, um, don't really necessarily understand or are able to help with what each each wife is going through. Uh, 
Ed's maybe the, the the well, Matt Gordon's maybe the best. I mean, he fights with Renat a lot, but uh, you know, Ed's trying to understand, but maybe he just doesn't. Uh, and there's a disconnect there. Obviously, Perry's Perry. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to get into why he's a huge stumbling block for Celeste, but uh, so you know, you have this this idea here, where it's, it's about all these women who who are hiding things in a very unhealthy way. Um, with the possible exception, I suppose, of Renata, I guess that's kind of the purpose of Renata's character, is that she's the opposite and that she doesn't hide anything. Renata is very upfront, uh, for the most part, about how she feels uh, a lot of the time. To, to an extreme, to, to an unhealthy degree, where she's just accusing kids of doing things and, and all sorts. Um, I will say the bite mark on Amabel does kind of make me doubt my theory about, uh, about it being an adult, because the bite mark did not look... It looked look child size for sure, so we'll we'll see if I turn it to be correct on the adult thing or if it is actually a kid. Uh, I am kind of expecting it not to be Ziggy though, just because it feels like such a I don't know, like just such an obvious way to go. But at the same time, it could have impact if it has been Ziggy all along, um, and how Jane has to deal with that. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, and as per usual, there's quick flashes of various things, quick flashes of the party where the murder is going to happen, quick flashes of sex, quick flashes of this and that. Um, tying into the, the various beats uh, to punctuate the scenes, um, but no, it was, again, it was like once again, it was like a standout two or three scenes. You know, it's just the, the three of them running on the beach together. It's the therapy scene, um, it's the crash. Like all these scenes really stick out as being really, uh, really solid. And then you've got all the other stuff around it supporting it. So, uh, and great reacting again as per usual. So uh, that is episode five of Big Little Lies and. Uh, we'll be we'll be back with episode six very soon. I've got a week to do six and seven before season two starts, so they will be coming in that time, uh, somehow, some way, by hook or by crook, uh, and I will uh, see you then. So uh, let me know what you thought of the episode in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get me on the twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/mailfuzztv. Uh, we can support us for as little as a dollar per month and keep all the reviews coming. And you can also, of course, uh, check out other reviews that we've done for various tv shows um you know uh, right now we're reviewing chernobyl uh, from hbo another hbo show uh, you can go back and find both season one and two of westworld reviewed um night of uh, the miniseries that they did a couple of years ago so uh, you know we do hbo shows here or there we do a bunch of netflix shows uh, and all stuff so yeah uh, but that's me so thank you once again for watching and listening i always appreciate it keep watching tv guys have you got any vanilla <laughs>